Welcome to Faith Builder. We hope that you're blessed by today's program. It is our desire, our aim. The reason why we make the effort is to be an encouragement and a blessing to the listener. If you have any questions, we would love to hear from you. Any topics you'd like us to cover or maybe someone you would like us to interview. Uh, send me an email at pastor at springridgechurch.com. And thank you for tuning in. Tradition or truth? That is the question. What will we base our faith, our conviction, and how we live our life? Will we do it based on tradition or will we do it based on truth that is rooted in the scripture? I know most of us were taught all manner of things from the time we were children until today. And every one of us, more than likely, we believe what we were told and we did what we were told uh, under the, the understanding this is what the Bible says. This is the Christian thing to do. But oftentimes, things that we have been taught, things we have heard, actually do not originate in Scripture, but find their roots in man-made traditions, denominations, concepts, and ideas uh, that were uh, concluded by men, councils, committees, uh, hundreds, even thousand, fifteen hundred years after the life of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that our faith should be built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. And so in the old covenant, we had the prophets from Moses to Ezekiel to uh, uh, Isaiah, uh, all the way unto Malachi. That is the, the prophets. They were the instruments whereby God communicated his will, his word, and his vision for his people through the old covenant. And that's the foundation of the church. The church is built upon the foundation of the Old Testament prophets and the apostles. But in the middle, what connects the Old Testament and the New Testament, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He is what, what brings it all together. He is, well, he's, he's what it's all about. That's why it's called Christianity. It's about Jesus Christ. And the challenge is, Jesus faced this same situation in the days that he uh, walked the earth. He said to the Jews that they have caused the word of God to have no influence by their tradition. And so if you study a little bit, you'll find there, there are many people that what they believe about Jesus, about God, about the church, about eternity, is not rooted in the scripture, but it's rooted in religious tradition of various denominations. And I would say to you, I don't trust, I would not suggest you trust your faith and your eternal destiny based upon the fallible and oftentimes corrupt religious machinery that is the denominational world that has an ever-changing tradition. It was God's intent that the church would influence the world, but today we see the world has influenced the church. And uh, Jesus made this statement, He that believeth on me, as the scripture says, 
out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And the reason why many believers do not live a life of overflowing purpose and joy is because their faith is not, they're not believing in Jesus as the scripture says. They are believing in a Jesus that doesn't originate in scripture, is not true to scripture, doesn't teach or or uh, lead us to do the things that the Jesus of the Bible did. And so it is in that that pressure, the stress, the conflict between tradition and truth that over the past four episodes we have tried to, to show the contrast between what tradition says and what the Scripture teaches. The Scripture has not changed since the last writing by the Apostle John there in the last book of your Bible, the book of Revelation. And when he got through and, and, and the, the apostles passed from the scene, that the days of that sort of God-breathed word that, that, that was ended, and no doubt God still speaks to us, but the infallible, unchangeable, foundational truth the church being built upon the prophets and the apostles and Jesus Christ himself. That's what we must be founded on. The, the church must not be founded upon the Pope or a church council or a, a, a reformer or some Johnny-come-lately. We must, we must choose. I am going to make the word of God my first and final say in what I believe about time and eternity because the scripture is really the only thing that matters. On the last episode, I talked about baptism. In John chapter 3, it is recorded where Jesus looks at a Jewish teacher and he tells them, tells him, uh, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He goes further and says, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He went on to say, marvel not that I say you must be born again. I would say to you that being born again is very important. And there are two parts to one thing. There is is the born again experience that consists of water and spirit. And we see this exemplified in Jesus' own life. In Matthew chapter 3, in verse 16, the Bible says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This is John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. Jesus comes to him and says, I need you to baptize me. And and, uh, John the Baptist says, No, I can't baptize you. I'm not worthy to to, to buckle your sandals. Jesus said, Suffer it to be so that all righteousness might be fulfilled. And so we see Jesus entering the water and being Uh, put down in the water and when he comes up out of the water John said he saw heaven open and the spirit of the Lord descended upon him as a dove 
And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so you see this this image, this picture of what Jesus said to Nicodemus had to happen. You must be born of the water and of the Spirit. And on last week, I went through and, and explained that, that water is not a natural birth because we're born once, but we got to be born again. When we were born the first time, there was water and Spirit. There is water of your mother's belly you're in, and when you were born, you take a deep breath. That's spirit. Water and spirit is the first birth. That's how you're born the first time. The second birth is water and spirit as well. When you're baptized in water, and if you look at last week's video, in the name of Jesus Christ, we receive the forgiveness of sins. That's what the Bible says explicitly time after time, that our baptism in water must be completely immersed, baptizoed, in the name of Jesus Christ and the benefit that gives us what it says to a number of different times Peter and Paul both say we have our sins forgiven or washed away by the act of baptism in Jesus name so that's the water baptism and you see when the the apostles went to fulfill the great commission of Jesus Christ they went forth baptizing and if they found someone that had not been baptized in Jesus name they rebaptized them. And if they found someone that, that hadn't received the Holy Spirit after they were baptized, they would pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. And so today I want to talk about the spirit baptism. It is crucial. It, it, is, it is one of the most life-altering experiences you will ever have in your life. It is unexplainable. It is indescribable. In fact, it's joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. And I, I, I know many people believe because they've been taught that when you have faith in Jesus Christ, that you immediately receive the Spirit of God. But that is a theology based in tradition that is totally divorced from what the Scripture says. The Scripture shows us, if you look in your Bible in Acts chapter 8, uh, Philip went down to Samaria and he preached the gospel, preached Christ to them. And the Bible says that they received Christ, they received the word, the preaching. They believed in what was being preached. They had great joy. There were people that were healed. Demons were cast out. And, and every one of them were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Even Simon was baptized. Even Simon the sorcerer believed. And the Bible says that the apostles came down to Samaria because they had believed in, in Jesus. They had been baptized in the name of Jesus, but they had not received the Holy Ghost yet. And the apostles came and laid their hands upon them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And so you see there in Acts 8, there is a distinction between belief and baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's one, two, three. The best thing you'll ever do for yourself is to repent of your sins. The best thing a preacher will ever do for you is they will immerse you, baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And the best thing God will ever do for you is to fill you with his precious Holy Spirit. 
And so that happened in Acts 8. They believed, they were baptized, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. In Acts 10, you find that there was a devout man who prayed all the time, was generous to others, and the Bible says that he had a, an angel appear to him. So he's a good man, spiritual man, even saw angels. And the angel said to him, send for Peter, he'll tell you what you need to do. So he sends for Peter. Peter happened to be having a vision at the same time. The Lord lets him know this is what you need to do. Peter goes, he preaches, and while he is preaching Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins in his name, the Bible says that while Peter yet preached, the Holy Ghost fell upon all of them, and they all were filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that the Jews that came with, with Peter... They were astonished because upon the Gentiles also was poured out the Holy Ghost. And they were amazed. How did they know? If you read the next scripture, it says, For they heard them speak with other tongues and, and, and magnify God. So here it is. They, are, they, they receive the Holy Spirit, but they've not been baptized yet. Now remember, the angel was sent the angel was sent to, to Cornelius, and the angel said, Send for Peter. He will tell you what you must do. So Peter's like, hey, you see these, these, these Gentiles that have received the Holy Ghost just like we did. They're speaking in tongues. We know they got the Holy Ghost because they're speaking in tongues just like we did when we got the Holy Ghost. And so he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So here you go. Uh, in Acts 8, they got baptized first, and then they got the Holy Ghost. And in, in Acts 10, they received the Holy Ghost, but the thing Peter commanded them to do was to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So there you see water and spirit. And so I want to I want, to, I want to provoke your righteous mind, your desire to please God. And I want you to pray, Lord, if you have more for me than I have now, I want it all. You said in your word, Jesus, that, that you would give to anyone the Holy Spirit that asked. I want the Holy Spirit baptism. And he'll feel it. He'll feel you. And uh, so, so there you said, water and spirit, Acts, Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10. And then Acts 19, Paul is uh, coming to Ephesus. He later writes a letter to the believers there in Ephesus, the, the epistle of, to the Ephesians. He comes to Ephesus and he finds believers there and he asks them, have you received the Holy Ghost after you believed? And they're like, no, we haven't received the Holy Ghost. And then he says, how were you baptized? They said, we were baptized under John. And Peter says, John came preaching the baptism of repentance. But he said, he that cometh after me, believe on him. And when they heard that, the Bible says that, that Paul rebaptized the, the disciples of John. Now, if that happened today, I can hear what would say the, the disciples of John. They could say, well, I was baptized just like Jesus was baptized. Are you saying that Jesus' baptism wasn't, uh, wasn't good enough? No, these were sincere believers. They weren't looking for a debate. They wanted all that God had. And they took the teaching and the preaching of the apostle Paul, 
And every one of them were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's right. Apostle Paul rebaptized people that had been baptized previously. Why? Because they hadn't been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then he laid his hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues and prophesy. So here, here is a perfect example of, of why we teach and why I believe that, that you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. It's not enough to simply believe in Jesus. Do you need to believe in Jesus to be saved? Absolutely. It's written in the book of Hebrews, any man that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You can't be saved without faith. Faith is the doorway into the possibilities of God, but it takes more than simply having a mental assent. When you believe in Jesus, it will propel you and compel you to walk down the path that faith will take you. Faith is going to take you somewhere. And when you believe in Jesus, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. How do you know whether you believed or not? Do you get baptized? Baptism is a proof of your faith. If you believe in Jesus, you're going to get baptized. And I would say further, if you believe in Jesus, you're going to walk down the path the Word of God leads you down. Your heart is going to say, <laughs> not my will, but thine be done. And if the Word of God shows you that you need to live a life that's pleasing to God, if the Word of God says that you need to cease from sin and pursue holiness and righteousness, if you love the Lord, what did Jesus say? Do you, If you love me, keep my commandments. And, and the proof is in our pudding, if you will. If you love Jesus, your life's going to show it. It's not just a profession. It is a, it, is an, it is a pursuit. We are pursuing God day by day, week by week, and, and, and that, that we, we experience the fullness of God uh, day by day, just like the children of Israel were uh, fed manna every day and God gave them enough manna every day. Give us this day our daily bread. When you're living for God, it's a journey. It's not a, a, a one-time experience. It's an everyday uh, exploration, journey, and discovery. What is God going to give us today? What's God going to say today? What? How is God going to use us today? And, and how that we are able to do that, Jesus said, Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. If you want to be a useful in the kingdom of God, you got to have the Holy Ghost. Look at the at the the the, the uh, apostles that were disciples prior to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They were uh, uh, meek and timid, fearful men because they were under persecution. Their their rabbi, their 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 Messiah, had been crucified. But you find in Acts chapter 2, they were fire baptized, Holy Ghost filled, and they were unashamedly in public places praying and prophesying and speaking in other languages that, that, that people all over the city of Jerusalem, they could hear them in their own ethnic um, 
uh, dialects from wherever they were scattered from. They heard them speak in the wonderful works of God in their, 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 their tongues where they were from. And, and that was the thing. The Bible tells us that Peter stands up in Acts chapter 2. In fact, I'll just I'll read to you Acts 2 and verse 1. Because we're talking about being baptized with the Spirit. And the birth of the church happens in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place and in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Wow. The Bible says there were devout men out of every nation there in Jerusalem, and and they were they were marveling, they were they were amazed. Some mocked and said, "These are drunk on new wine." We hear them speaking in tongues. What is this? That and their response was, "These people are acting drunk. They're crazy." Peter stands up and says, "Sorry, guys, they're not drunk like you think they are. No doubt they were having a static moment." Of worship, you know, if you if you ever want to find out how the Jews in the Bible worshipped, you can see video on on YouTube uh, what they do during their Jewish holidays in Jerusalem, and it looks like they are in a Pentecostal service. They sing out loud, they dance about, uh, they worship the Lord with a loud voice. That's what was happening in Acts chapter two, and Peter tells them, "Hey." This, these are not drunk, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And upon my ser- your servants and handmaiden, uh, uh, pour out the spirit. They, they, the spirit was poured out. How did they know the spirit was poured out? What was the sign Peter was saying? They were speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. That was what Peter was saying. Hey, you see what's happening? They're speaking in tongues. It looks like they're drunk, but they're really just high on the Holy Spirit. And Peter preaches a message. And and he, he, he tells them, hey guys, you know that Jesus <laughs> that you crucified? Uh, 50 days ago, that same Jesus who you crucified, God hath made him both Jehovah and Messiah, Lord and Christ. And these devout Jews, they, they were pricked in their heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all them that are far, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Boom. (laughs) Amen. The Holy Ghost is for everybody. 
you know, the past few days I've had the, the wonderful privilege of seeing a number of people receive the Holy Ghost for the first time. I seen a little eight-year-old boy get the Holy Ghost for the first time, and I saw a man uh, probably in his 70s be renewed in the Holy Ghost for the first time in 25 years. I've seen, I, I, I saw someone get the Holy Ghost this past Sunday, and she didn't even believe in speaking in tongues, but she was in service. She was worshiping the Lord. And as uh, the evangelist prayed for her, she started speaking in tongues. And you could see it on her face. She was shocked because she was experiencing something that she didn't even know that she believed in. She believed she had the Holy Ghost already. But as she was worshiping the Lord, she experienced that dynamic, supernatural experience, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave her the utterance and now she knows <laughs> I really didn't have the Holy Ghost. And, and given the opportunity, I could show her in the Bible. From a biblical point of view, if you have not spoken in tongues, you have not received the Holy Ghost like they did in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, and Acts 19. That's how you know that you've received the Holy Spirit. Some could say, well, why does God use tongues to show that the Holy Spirit has filled us. Well, the Bible tells in the book of James that the tongue is the most unruly member, that no man can tame his own tongue. However, when you have completely surrendered to God, the Lord takes the most unruly thing in your body and through the Spirit of God, He causes you to speak a language that you never learned. It may be the tongues of men, and it may be the tongues of angels. But it, whatever the language is, it is the sign that you've been filled with the Spirit. I, I will cover this in the next video, but there's some purposes of tongues. The first purpose of tongues is the initial evidence. Hey, I got the Holy Ghost, like a bell on the door, ringy-ding-ding, when somebody walks in. When you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak in tongues. It's a glorious experience. It's an affirmation to you. It's a confirmation to the believers around you. You got the Holy Ghost. But that's only one purpose of tongues. The second purpose of tongues is it's a daily a tool in the life of a believer. The Spirit of God will pray through you about what the will of God is for your life. Uh, I have found it to be a daily source of, of edification for myself. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. And so when I'm praying, whether I'm driving down the road or walking around in my house or working in my yard, I at times will find myself praying in the Spirit. And it my, 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 my thoughts may not understand what's going on. My mind may not understand. But, but the Spirit of God is praying through me. I am being built up. I am praying mysteries. It is a blessing. It is a refreshing. It is the rest. Yeah. Uh, read Romans 8. Sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit makes an intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And, and uh, the will of God is prayed through us. And, the, 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 of course, the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit is one of the purposes of speaking in tongues. And it is for the edification of the body. If you come and you have a tongue that is for edification, you must be sure that when you speak in tongues, someone there interprets. And if no one interprets when you give a tongue in a public setting, 
someone must interpret. And if someone else doesn't interpret, you must pray that the Lord will give you the interpretation. It's it's in the book. It's in the book. The, Paul said, forbid not to speak with tongues. He teaches extensively about the proper use of speaking in tongues. And, and the final a purpose of speaking in tongues is it's a sign to the unbeliever. And I could I could tell you so many stories, and I'll cover some of these in our next video. But I just want to impress upon your mind the baptism of the Spirit is just as real and just as needful as being baptized in the water. Jesus said, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And just because you have faith doesn't mean you've been born again. How can I say that? Read Acts 8. Read Acts 10. Read Acts 19. Good people, repentant people, baptized people, but they had not received the baptism of the Spirit. And I just want to stress upon you that you may have answers and explanations from a traditional source, but don't trust tradition. Believe and pursue everything the Word of God promises. And if you will, you'll be blessed in an unprecedented way. So this is the conclusion of this fifth lesson on tradition versus truth. I hope that it blesses you. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to send us an email. Contact us via our Facebook or our website. And if you haven't received the Holy Ghost and you want to receive the Holy Ghost, reach out. God still fills people with his precious Holy Spirit, and he wants to give it to you. Amen. Have a great day, and I'm praying that you would have a fresh infilling of his Spirit. Faith builders. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is our intent and our desire that you would be edified and encouraged through the program today.